You're listening to All Sports Weekend with Mark Majot on Edmonton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. 304, welcome back to All Sports Weekend. Mark Majot, Hernan Salas with you. The Eskimos have added to their lead. It's now 24 to 8 with nine minutes to go in the second quarter. Some injury news, though. John White, running back for the Eskimos, is having... A whale of a game so far for the green and gold. He has 55 yards on the ground on seven carries and already 34 yards through the air. It looks like he banged his thumb, as per Matthew Shinetti, friend of the show and TSN sideline reporter today, said the staff has cut his glove off and White is bleeding. So we'll keep you updated on that. Hernan is watching the game in there. He'll let you know if we have an injury update on John White. But the Eskimos continue to lead 24-8. to Later tonight from T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, UFC 202, it's Diaz versus McGregor 2. This is a rematch of UFC 196. This is the last time we saw either of these two men in the octagon. Joining us to discuss this, as well as the other fights on the card tonight, very pleased to welcome from MMAManifesto.com. He is the founder and the editor-in-chief of that website. Pleased to welcome Jeff Fox to the show. Jeff, welcome to the program. How are you today? I'm great. How about you? I'm doing great. I appreciate taking some time this Saturday afternoon. Big fight tonight. In Vegas, UFC 202. Let's go back to basically what got us to this point. The press conferences this week. Jeff, I go back and forth on to how much I believe is real, how much I believe is just two guys trying to sell pay-per-views. In your opinion, is this a legit beef or is this two guys that are just very good at promoting themselves and promoting the brand of UFC? I think it's actually, it's actually both. It's, it's real, but they, they know what they're doing. They know that they're, um, they're lining their pockets uh, anytime. Anytime that they do any shenanigans like this, so I believe it's it's legit beef. Um, Diaz and his camp tend to get into beefs with with people all the time, so this is this is nothing new for him. Um, but at the same time, they're both uh, smart businessmen. They know mm-hmm. any kind of controversy is going to uh, going to put more money in the pockets. What did Conor McGregor gain by backing out, or what? Not backing out. Basically, this fight was supposed to happen at 200. It's been pushed back. What did Conor McGregor or Diaz gain from this, rather than simply just more time to train, if anything? Not, not much, really. Yep. Um, it's, it's like you said that the main thing is is more more time to train. Um, it seems like it's they, they may have lost um, a lost uh, a bit from it. it there's, I just don't feel the same level yeah. of, of excitement um, headed into in, into this. Uh, as, as we had a few months ago when they were originally going to fight it, uh, at 200. Um, it just doesn't seem to be uh, creating the same level of buzz. Um, they're having trouble selling tickets to it. Um, the USC had to, had to slash a bunch of prices a couple of days ago just to try to uh, to fill up the, the T-Mobile uh, arena. I'm sure it's, it's going to be sold up mm-hmm. by the time yeah, um, the gates open up tonight, but I, I just don't, don't feel the same levels of, of excitement. I think people may be uh, tiring of these two guys' uh, act by this point. Who does a full camp benefit more heading into this? Is it Nate Diaz or Conor McGregor? I would say Diaz. Basically, Diaz literally came off uh, off a beach to uh, to beat McGregor last time they they fought. Uh, he had eleven days notice and he was he was on vacation. He wasn't even training, um, and, and he had no, no trouble putting putting McGregor away. Um, full training camp. He's he's in fantastic shape. Uh, if you, just just by looking at him compared to uh, last time they they fought, he's he's much bigger, much more muscular. Um, they said he was he's walking around close to two hundred pounds, so he's going to be a much bigger man once they step in tonight. Um, and I I you know I, I think um, I think he's uh, he, he's the one to bet on this evening. 
We're joined by Jeff Fox from MMAManifesto.com. Also does some writing at HoopsManifesto.com. We'll get to some basketball later on in the interview, Jeff. But focusing on UFC 202, if Conor McGregor loses, he's coming off a run, which he was kind of untouchable when he joined the UFC. And if he loses back-to-back to Nate Diaz, what's next for McGregor? Does he just simply go back to his weight class? How does this hurt his brand and himself as a fighter? Losses in MMA aren't as big a deal as, as they are in, in boxing, where if you lose a fight in boxing, that's pretty much it. Um, everyone loses in MMA, but, but it, is, it is a concern. Um, the, the, big, the big thing about McGregor and which, what made him such a, such a big star is he wasn't just walking the walk. He, was, he, uh, he wasn't just talking the talk. He, he was walking yeah. it, too. Uh, everything he, he said he was going to do, he did it when he stepped into the octagon, but that, that stopped last fight. And if that if he loses again tonight, then yeah, he's. I think he definitely has, has to win a fight again, and a lot of his leverage that he had with with the UFC is uh, will will be lost. Also, he um, he, he also he lost the power struggle with with the bosses um, heading into UFC 200 and got yanked from that card. And if he if he loses again tonight, um, he's going to have a lot less uh, bargaining power with them, and I think he's going to be forced to. Uh, to fight at featherweight, um, defend his belt, and that's not even a sure thing that that you could beat um, uh, Aldo for a second yeah. time, which would real, which would basically realistically, we could be looking at him having a three fight losing streak within maybe by the end of the year. Wow, very interesting stuff. Uh, Jeff Fox joined us from MMAManifesto.com. The main event tonight at UFC 202 is Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor. Well, we have Anthony Johnson taking on Glover Teixeira and Rick Story taking on at Daniel, or at Donald's throne, excuse me. Besides the main event, is there a couple fights that you're really looking forward to watching tonight? I always always enjoy watching um, Cowboy Cerrone fight. He's uh, he's he's one of my personal favorites uh, to watch fight, and and Rick Story is is uh, a game opponent, so that that should be a fun one. Also, um, Rumble Johnson is a is a scary guy to to watch fight because he's probably the the hardest hitter in the sport. So. His uh, the co-main event with him and Glover Share is going to be uh, going to be fireworks. Also, um, it's it's a pretty solid card. It's not it's not uh, blowing me away. There's there's even some there's some guys on the on the pay-per-view portion of the card. I don't have a clue who they are, which is and um, I cover this sport uh, for a living, so um, it, it's not a, it's not by all means the best card the UFC's ever put on. But but there are some some solid uh, solid fights uh, throughout it though. And I want to get your thoughts looking one card ahead to UFC 203. Uh, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan, so I'm really intrigued to see what CM Punk does at UFC uh, 203. Have you had a chance to catch any of the Evolution of Punk documentary? No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to to see how he um, how he fares. I'm not counting on much uh, yeah. to to uh, to um, put it bluntly. He's, it's not a. Uh, it's definitely not a Brock Lesnar um, uh, situation where Lesnar had the uh, a stellar amateur wrestling career. Um, basically, CM Punk doesn't have that on his on his resume. It's going to be a real, real uh, tough climb for the, for him to uh, to gain some traction in the sport. Jeff, you're the uh, founder and editor in chief of MMA Manifesto, and you're also right at HoopsManifesto.com. So we'll talk a little basketball to wrap up the program. Uh, the Olympics taking place underway right now in Rio. The Americans play Serbia for gold. Has this have you ever questioned the Americans playing for gold at any point in this tournament, even though they have had some close results? No, not really. Um, even with even with the number of, of uh, players that didn't show up, this is this is basically if you made a team up of of the uh, of U.S. players that decided not to play this year, they would they would beat the the team that actually is uh, is in Rio. But no, they're they're far and away uh, 
the talent level is still way way too much for for any other uh, country in the world to uh, to really. Um, I was going to say give him a fight, which isn't true because a lot of countries have have actually uh, played him played him close. Yep. But um, I, you know, this is not a surprise. Obviously, obviously. Jeff, I really appreciate your time and great run out of UFC 202 tonight. People can read your stuff at MMAManifesto.com, HoopsManifesto.com. They can also follow you on Twitter at Jeff Fox Writer. Jeff, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for this. We'll chat very uh, later on, maybe during the NBA season. You, you got it. No problem. Jeff Fox. MMAManifesto.com, UFC 202 tonight from Las Vegas. It's a very busy night in the world of sports. You have UFC 202 uh, for the dorks like myself. You have NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. You have some CFL action. You have some baseball action as well. Very busy Saturday in the sports world. And also tonight, the Tragically Hip play their final show. As we know them from Kingston, CBC will be airing that. That gets going at 6.30. From Toronto, five minutes to go in the second quarter. Eskimos Mark, continue to lead 24 to 8. Yeah, John White is heading to the rock, locker room, and uh, now JC Sherrod's left knee being looked at. Huh. All right. That's the joys of doing radio during a live game. You're trying to pay attention. There's injuries going <laughs> left and right. But the Eskimos, they bounce back after a horrendous start to the game. If you're just joining us, the Argonauts got a rouge to start the game. So they're up 1 0. And then the first play from scrimmage, Mike Riley throws a pick six. So the Eskimos are down 8 nothing, really before the game even started. But ever since then, the Eskimos have roared back. Mike Riley is 12 for 14, just under 200 yards. Every, every single pass Mike Riley has thrown has been caught. He has two incomplete passes, and they're both interceptions. So John White is banged up. He was actually doing some good work on the ground tonight, or earlier this afternoon. Seven carries for 55 yards. Through the air, leading the way so far for the Eskimos, it's Corey Watson, who has one massive 70-yard reception. Uh, Darius Bowman and Nate Kuhorn with the touchdowns. Darrell Walker has been rather quiet so far for the Eskimos. One catch for seven yards. Uh, Sean White, one for one on field goals. Just one from 27 yards out in baseball. I mentioned the Blue Jays don't get going till just after 5 o'clock. They continue their series against the Cleveland Indians. This is a big series simply because the Tribe, they're a good team. The Blue Jays were so close to walking away with it last night, but uh, Osuna, who's been great in the bullpen, he blew it. There's no other way to say it. He gives up a solo home run uh, to tie the game. And then Tyler Naquin with the walk-off inside the park home run. You don't see that too much. So the Jays dropped a tough one last night. But tonight, they continue that series. Aaron Sanchez gets the start. He's 12-2 and two with an ERA of 2.84. Is going up against Josh Tomlin. First pitch in that one just after 5 o'clock. Hernan, this is something we got into earlier this week. If the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays, they want to make the postseason. They clearly want to win that division. Mm-hmm. You don't want to play in that one-game playoff unless you absolutely have to. Because you could be like the Pittsburgh Pirates and run into the hottest pitcher on the planet. And then your season is done after game 163. But if you're a Jays fan... And rest is no issue, as it looks like the Argonauts just punch it in. If you're the Blue Jays, one game playoff, rest is not an issue. Who are you sending to that mound? Is it J.A. Happ or is it Aaron Sanchez? <laughs> Ooh, that's a great question. Like, I, I would throw Estrada in there, too. Really? Yeah, yeah that's for me, another one you toss in the mix. For me, it's the top, those are the top three. I wouldn't throw Strowman in right now because he's nope, struggling. No, nope. that's fine. I would have to go with J.A. Happ. See, like you look, if you compare his numbers with Sanchez, their innings are very close. And Hap's just his, he's got the more wins. Mm-hmm. But I also find that wins can be slightly overrated from time to time. A pitcher can go eight innings, give up one hit, and still lose the game or not get a win because his team can't produce offense. No, nope, fair enough. So kudos for Hap. He's, he's got decisions, but no, Sanchez has that lower ERA. Their whips are pretty much identical. I would, I think I would have to go with Sanchez. I'm not trying to scoff at Hap's record. Is he still? 
I don't think they're not important at all, but I think just sometimes wins can be slightly overrated. Yeah, yeah. if you compare stats, Sanchez is better, but I think AJ Happ, if you've watched his, you know, like, yeah. let's just say his last 11 starts where he's won 11 in yeah. a row. That is impressive. Yeah, I'm not yeah, trying to take that away from him. He's been good. Like, you know, I don't, I don't think there's a wrong answer here, mm-hmm. but for me, I would go with Happ. He's just a little bit older, a little more experienced than Sanchez. And and for me, it's close between uh, second between Estrada and Sanchez because when Estrada's on, he's one of the best yeah, he in is. that rotation. So. And who would have thought those would be the three names we're discussing as the three best Blue and Jays Strowman would be your number four. Yeah, right? Like, who would have <laughs> thought that heading into this season that Marcus Strowman, and he's maybe figured it out lately, but he, there was the times where the little man struggled a lot this year. So it's rather interesting. A Blue Jays take on the Tribe tonight. First pitch is after, after 5 o'clock. Coming back after the break, Corey Graham, the voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings, will join us to discuss what's been an interesting offseason in the Western Hockey League, a little bit of the Tragically Hip, and a little bit of the Olympics as you're listening to All Sports Weekend on TSN 1260, Edmonton Sports Leader. You're listening to All Sports Weekend with Mark Majot on Edmonton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. Welcome back to All Sports Weekend. Mark Majot, Hernan Salas with you. Eskimos lead by 10. It is 24 to 14. It's about a minute 47 to go in the second quarter. Eskimos looking to get back to 500 so far. Uh, Some injury updates for the Eskimos. They've announced that John White will not, or his return is doubtful for today's games. That's unfortunate because John White seemed to be really going so far. Today for the Eskimos, uh, seven carries for 55 yards on the ground and four catches for 34 yards through the air. So John White's return is doubtful. And uh, we mentioned J.C. Sher was a little banged up. Looks like he is uh, back and ready to go. All right, our next guest is the voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings, fill-in host here on the station. And I guess we can call him a friend. Pleased to be joined by Corey Graham. Corey, my first question is, what problem do you have with low tide? Yeah, clearly I, you know, I choose favorites, Mark. It, well, it um, you know, we worked way. together for a long time. Al and me don't quite have that relationship, so yeah, that, that's what it's all about. Uh, that's fair. I had you on to talk sports before we get to sports. Uh, are you ready for tonight, Tragically Hip's final show? <laughs> I don't know. To be quite honest yeah. with you, like uh, that's kind of the thing I'm out with some friends that are that we've been longtime hip fans, and we're kind of having a day of it today. And um, yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the show, and I'm a little. It's going to be a tough night. You know, honestly, yeah. I went to a couple times this, this tour. I went down to Calgary as well. and it, Great shows, but it's, uh, it's emotional. You know? Yeah, and absolutely. It's good for them, though, a chance to kind of you know honor their fans and kind of finish off where they started and have a chance to have that last show. So it should be, it should be fun, but it'll be emotional tonight for sure. Everyone's talking about their favorite albums or their favorite songs. Uh, you've seen them a few times. You mentioned twice on this tour. Is there a favorite show that really stands out to you? I know out, out in Victoria you said they'd play their regulars. Is there one show that you were at that really stands out for you? Huh, that's a good question. Um, you know what? The, the tour they played with Sam Roberts and the kind of uh, they played in a bunch of theaters as opposed to like um, sporting stadiums. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that tour. Uh, I saw them in Vancouver um, then, but I, their shows are, are great. I, I mean, I know you're not a big hit fan, but mm-hmm. their, their shows they're just they're entertaining. I mean, Gord is always such a like he's kind of one of his own. Like there's nobody else really like him yeah. when he when he's on when he's on point. So. Um, they, they're all, I've never been to a show and kind of been disappointed. So, but, uh, probably, probably that was kind of the, the biggest one for me was, um, just kind of a different, yeah. different venue to see them at. And 
Uh, yeah, I mean, again, they've, they've all been good. Yeah, there's one of those bands that they've been around for so long that you've seen them play at big stadiums or at small clubs, and like that's what bands with uh, longevity can do. They can kind of grow and evolve and kind of go back to what they used to do. It's very interesting. That show gets going tonight at 6.30 on the CBC. You're also joined TSN 1260 at uh, Canadian Brew Houses. Corey, I had you on to talk sports. Let's get to sports you were in this week, so I know you've been watching the, the, the Olympic Games. Um, which athlete, as someone who just casually watches, are you more excited for in the next four years? Is it Andre DeGrasse or Penny Oleksiak? That's a great question. Um, you know what? Uh, I don't know. Like, it seems like DeGrasse is kind of the, the, you know, the heir apparent yeah. almost to Usain Bolt. So, I mean, that's obviously a huge thing for him. But watching Penny, and maybe because she's so young and it's, there's so many chances to be in the pool and, and these races and so many different um, – styles of swimming like it, it was it was so cool watching her sort of burst onto the, the scene really and you know i think Durgas is obviously in the um the kind of uh the more high profile events with 100 and the 200 i mean those are the things we always talk about a high meter race yeah. that kind of thing that you know there's that but i i really enjoyed watching that swimming team kind of come out of nowhere and and really storm the Olympics. So I would probably say Penny Alexiak at this point. You? Yeah, I, I, we're kind of the same, just si- simply based on age. Like, she's 16 years old. She has, what, three more Olympics probably in front of sure. her. She can continue up at this pace. And DeGrasse, I know he's still young. Like, he's still only 21 years old. But mention how many just events there are in the pool. I think there's going to be a huge spotlight on Penny, even though the men's 100-meter final is kind of the main event of the Olympics. But either way, I think athletics for Canada are definitely looking up. We talked about how they're... Su- their basketball team, like, clearly disappointed with their result this season. I think they had high metal hopes, but the soccer team can get bronze. If only just those men's national teams can figure it out, hey? Yeah, and I think the men's basketball team is getting better. Yeah. You know, uh, we talked with Paul Sturr earlier this week as well, and, you know, he wasn't um, he wasn't pulling any punches when we talked about where that team needs to be. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's discussing them as a potential, and uh, by 2020, being a team to be reckoned with, but, you know, they need to up their game now. They, I mean, yeah. If they want to be a team that can be, you know, a potential medal threat in 2020, they should be better than they are right now. They should have made this Olympic Games or this Olympic Games. So, um, a little disappointing for them, but the obviously the women's team is going well and um, their future is great too. So, uh, yeah, the men's teams need to get going, and men's soccer has kind of been a mess in Canada yeah. for years as well. I agree. It'd be nice to see them eventually turn it around. Corey Graham joined us. He's the voice of the Oil Kings in the Western Hockey League, which gets going. I had in about three or four weeks' time. It's been a very interesting offseason in the Western Hockey League. First, let's start with the Brandon Wheat Kings. Kelly McCrimmon taking his talents to Las Vegas. Uh, are the Wheat Kings screwed without Kelly McCrimmon, or did he leave a pretty good, uh, I guess, blueprint or track record behind him? Wow, obviously a great track record. Yeah. That team is fantastic. Um, you know, they're going to miss Kelly, I think, as a day-to-day guy. He's a guy that would orchestrate some amazing trades. And, um, you know, obviously, I think really kind of took advantage of some other teams and some deals and, you know, really did a great job in Brandon over the years. So they're going to miss him, but uh, that, that team's a team in transition. Like, I was trying to think of the last few uh, WHL championship teams that have, have been that far and how different they're going to be. And you look at the graduating players on that Wheat Kings team, and I think it starts if Ivan Provorov ends up um, spending time in Philadelphia this year. That'll be a, a huge loss for them. If he comes back, it solidifies things a little bit, but um, they have a potential to be an entirely look, different-looking team next year. And not just behind the bench and not just with the general manager, but their players are going to be yeah. a lot different. So I think it'll be a different Wheat Kings team next year. But you know, obviously Kelly's been around this game for a long time and is one of the better GMs in the league. So you know, no matter what, they're definitely going to miss that guy. And another GM, that a veteran, longtime WHL general manager that's now in the NHL, is Tim Speltz, Spokane Chiefs, now member of the Toronto Maple Leafs and their uh, scouting staff. Uh, the, the Spokane Chiefs, obviously, they won the Memorial Cup. I think it was back in 2008, I want to say. But they've been rather consistent so far in the WHL's uh, Western Conference. How big of a loss is that for the Chiefs? 
Yeah, that too. I mean, it's always great to see those guys get the, the chance mm-hmm. to the next level. And, you know, Tim Speltz has been involved in Spokane a long time. And you mentioned the 2008, they won two Memorial Cups under him, you know, spread apart a long distance a, a years as well. So I think um, he's done such a great job with that team. And it's weird because being up here in Canada, you don't see those American teams very often in, yeah. in the eastern side. So it's hard to get a read on them. And every year I kind of think Spokane's a bit of a uh, – not an also-ran, but a team that I'm kind of like, yeah, they won't be that good. They're always competitive. He's always done a great job of making that team competitive. And yeah, I think they're going to be, they're gonna be they're, um, poised for a big year this year, too. I think they're going to be good this year. So uh, definitely a big loss for him. But, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's, you know, players and coaches and managers. It's about getting to that ultimate level. So, you know, it's great to see those guys move on. Uh, looking at the Edmonton Oil Kings, Corey, obviously it's it's a different offseason in regards to the NHL. You can't just go spend a ton of money on unrestricted veteran free agents. But they added a goaltender in Boston. Belos, am I correcting that? They're spelling or saying that correctly? Boston I think so. Belos? Uh, what do you think of Randy Hanch's offseason? Obviously a, uh, a couple tweaks. And this is really now a lot of the pieces of the Memorial Cup team, they're no, they're no longer with the Oil Kings now. Yeah, it's definitely it's going to be a transition year for this team. They're definitely going to be younger this year. And I mean, you mentioned Boston. He's still a year away from playing a draft player this year, so he won't play this season. He's 15. But uh, the building blocks for the future, I mean, basically it feels like they got three first-round picks on this year's draft, which is, is fantastic for them. they got a forward, a goaltender, and a defenseman that can really be sort of the, the future of this team. And you look at the guys that are coming in that there are 16 this year, and you know, Ethan Tapp leads the way for them as their top pick last year in the draft. I, I think you can kind of see the blocks of, a, of another really good team kind of building. Now, to get there, it's going to be a bit of a transition that happens, and I think they'll be competitive this year. Uh, scoring, I think, is going to be the major issue for this team, but I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing how they handle this season. And yeah. It's kind of, um, it's really, I think really now it's Steve Hamilton and Ryan Marsh's team. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the leftovers from the, the previous years, like you mentioned, have most of them have moved on outside of, you know, Aaron Irving and, and Lane Bauer, really. Um, so, I can give a chance now to really kind of see uh, this coaching staff sort of mold this team in the future. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, Corey, but doesn't it seem like the summer's already over? Like, after Labor Day, <laughs> we have the St. Albert tournament, and Matthew Wanick brought up a good point. Like, with the World Cup and the NHL, kind of everything really ramps back up, like, immediately following Labor Day. Are you ready for the summer to be over? Yeah, I mean, heck, it's next week. We're in the ring for uh, for pre or for uh, training camp next wow. Friday. It starts off, so... Kind of how it goes, you know. I'm obviously looking forward to getting back at it, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it just means summer's wrapping up, and it's a little bit of bittersweet. You know, I, I probably once the time training camp starts, it's always kind of cool the first few days, yep. and you just can't wait for opening night. So um, it's that long stretch between those two, but yeah, it definitely things get going right away. Did, did there ever think there would be? Did you ever think there'd be a time in your life, Corey, when on August 20th the Chicago Cubs would lead the AL Central by 12 games? Uh, <laughs> like really? No. Like it's not even, like they're the best team in baseball, and I don't even think it's close right now. Yeah, no, by far. They are. It's awesome. I don't want to talk about it, though, to be honest. I know. We're going to jinx it. I, I'm not ready to anoint the Cubs yet. I'm still uh, They're still the Cubs? optimistic. You yep. know, they're still the Cubs. They'll find a way. But, you know, I'd love to watch some November ball down in, or I guess, October, early November ball in, uh, in Wrigley. That'd be fantastic. Really interesting to see. Corey Graham, I appreciate you joining us this summer. No, we haven't chatted too much this summer. Thanks for this, and we'll see you down at the ring probably in a couple weeks. Anytime, Mark. Thanks. Corey Graham, the voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings. You can follow him on Twitter at Corey Graham, resident craft beer enthusiast on the station, resident Tragically Hip fan, resident Pearl Jam fan here on the station. Uh, Hernan with the Oil Kings. Uh, Obviously, we both kind of worked behind the scenes at time on broadcast. Didn't talk to Corey too much about it, but like, it's going to be pretty cool with that new barn opening up in like a month, eh? Like, I love Rexall Place, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm ready to move on. I've said my farewells. 
Yeah. I'll probably be back there one or two more times. But I am looking forward to getting into that. And just everything will be new. Everything will smell like new car for the first couple of weeks. Well, when you get into like the media business, I mean, and as a you know diehard uh, Oiler fan, uh, to sit up there in the catwalk and uh, you know for junior hockey was pretty cool, and yeah. sit with Corey and Guy. And uh, but going to Rogers Place marks a whole new level. Like I'm so excited, and I know we're probably gonna get to get in there before and just check out the the new arena yeah. and all that. So it's gonna be absolutely amazing. I can't wait to be honest. Uh, just from the pictures I've seen, it's it makes you all giddy. Yeah. It absolutely looks very cool. I cannot wait. A couple events going on before hockey. You know, there's a couple concerts. Uh, Drake plays playing back to back. a couple country shows. But that building is going to be open and it's going to be ready to rumble. At halftime, the Eskimos lead the Argonauts 33-14. to Mike Riley is 16 for 20 with three touchdowns, 280 yards. In the first half alone with just two interceptions. Uh, John White, his return is doubtful. He has an injured hand, but before he got injured, he had seven carries for 55 yards on the ground. He busted one for 27 yards, also had 34 yards through the air. Leading the way uh, now through the air for the Eskimos has been a Darius Bowman. Three catches for 86 yards, uh, one touchdown, including a 52-yard strike. Corey Watson has a 70-yard strike. Mike Riley's really stretching the ball down the field, Hernan. We talked about how Chris Jones' offense, hey, it did its job. They won yeah. 14 <laughs> games. They won the Grey Cup, but... Their offense was boring at stretches mm-hmm. under Chris Jones. It seemed like they only ran four or five plays. Mike Riley, I believe, now has officially gone deep more in seven games than he has two years under Chris Jones. And, you know, when you have a guy like Mike Riley, who I believe is... If I had to pick one quarterback in the CFL to win me one game, I'd probably go with Mike Riley. But they're finally using weapons that they're actually using the weapons that they actually have right now. So it's really exciting to see. And like, really like they're using Riley the way they should be using him. Oh, for sure. And a couple of those touchdown passes, just great passes where no one else could get that, but Bowman or Walker, yeah. just some great throws. Absolutely. Uh, Matthew Wanick, host of the Montoya Homes Green and Gold kickoff show was on before us. He'll be on after us. He joins Dave Jamison as well. Every single uh, weekday, Maddie, first half, a lot of offense. I looked up. It was 8 nothing really, before the offense got settled. But Mike Riley seemed to calm the troops down and really got the offense going right away. Yeah, the very first two plays, it was a Toronto kick for a single and then a Mike Riley pick six to give Toronto an 8 nothing lead. And then uh, ever since, it's been all Eskimos. I think outside of that Hamilton game, um, this was probably the most complete half of football yeah. the Eskimos have played. Uh, defensively, they've given up only seven points, and that was on a drive that included two pass interference calls. Uh, so really, it was their mistakes not getting beaten you know, it was mental mistakes on their, their opponent. It wasn't Toronto really necessarily beating them. And then offensively, you know, Mike Riley's got three touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, I think the ball's only hit the ground twice. Cause wow. Two, two interceptions. Two, two yeah. interceptions, two, uh, two misses, and then the rest were, were all completions. And uh, he's found Bowman in the end zone. He's yep. found Walker in the end zone, Kuhorn. Um, they're putting up the points, and this is the offense we've expected. And yep. this is the offense we should have seen last week, but the problem was they fumbled the ball twice on the one, and there was a penalty that pulled back a Bowman touchdown. It's unfortunate as John White, his return is listed as doubtful return for the Eskimos. I had high expectations for John White heading into this season. I thought he could have led the league in rushing last season had he remained healthy, and really we hadn't seen too much of White, and during the first half we were finally seeing some of White, and then he just goes out. So unfortunate news for John White. Looks like he's doubtful to return. There's but a cut. Yeah, cut. And they're working on it. So that's Trying to some, stop the bleeding. So that's just imagine if the Eskimos had a balanced attack. Well, I think that's been the biggest criticism a lot of people have is that their utilization of John White. When mm-hmm. you look at the three losses that they had in those three straight, uh, he didn't get the ball ten for more than I think his most carries in a game was eight. Yeah. Now I understand when you get behind, you've got to start, you know, catching up, and that's with the pass attack. But 
he's explosive. We, we've yes. seen that, and we saw this at the beginning of this year that the injury is past him. He's doing, and even this afternoon, we're seeing him get the ball and make plays. Um, so hopefully, it's nothing too major. I, w- I would expect, you know, with this lead, you might you don't need John White necessarily mm-hmm. as much. You still got Calvin McCarty to run the ball. Yeah. He shouldn't be any issues moving forward. They need to get him involved in the offense because this is what happens when he's involved. Yeah, it opens absolutely. up Bowman and Walker, and they both now have touchdowns, and uh, they need to get all three guys going. It can't be just the Bowman-Walker show. Um, it'll be interesting, though, now to see, you know, the Hamilton game. This that, that was their most complete, I think, path before this one or ahead of this one still. Um, and we all know what happened in that second half. Did they learn from their mistakes? We're, we're about to find out as they lead at halftime right now. And just about John White, I don't think you really need him. You don't need him to be an all-star cowboy. If he could get you 100 yards, 70 on the ground and 30 yeah. through the air, like that makes everyone's job uh, so much easier. Uh, every once in a while, I come up with a really good question. So I have to ask <laughs> as many people that same question as possible. The game is on the line. It's third down. Who is Mike Riley targeting? Bowman. Bowman over Walker? I you still, still think so? Bowman. I, Bowman... He's the guy that he he's the veteran here. You know, I, as good as Darrell Walker has been, I don't know. I, there's just the chemistry Mike Riley and Adarius Bowman have had. Some of the incredible catches. You know, that's the thing Bowman has. I think over Walker is he has some more of the highlight reel catches where yep. you go, how did he do that? Even today, uh, Mike Riley threw uh, under threw him, and there was about four Argos and Bowman, and that was it. And Bowman came up with the ball. So wow. I'm sticking with Bowman. And what, yeah, where are you going? Uh, I, I'm kind of with you, Bone, but I'm not as quick as a, you fired that out before I even gave the options. Just kind of what you said, these, the, the bigger body. I know Walker has the speed on Bowman, but just the size of... I, and we'll see. Maybe that'll change before the end of the season. Both guys are in the hunt for 2,000 yards. That's nuts. In that last game, who does Mike yeah. Riley target? Very true. And this is the best one-two duo, and the team is better. I know we had some years where... Uh, where uh, Stamps was Stamps and Bowman had a year, but the team wasn't very good. Like right now, Mike Riley has two legit options. That would be number one, pretty much any other team in the league. Really, is this not the best receiving course since the Tucker Hervey yeah, Bond? That was uns- like that's unstoppable. Like that's so that, that's that, 05. That, yeah, that's they, they haven't game. had that receiving core since then, and especially options too. I know I right. Campbell and was it Campbell and Stamps? Did they have one good year together? Kelly Campbell had another receiver. Maybe it was still Tucker. I forgot. Kelly Campbell did have Kelly one Campbell. like one good year. Jeez, he yeah. had. The, the speedster before he went south yes for like tampa bay i want to say didn't really uh, do much i will one more question for you and then i'll let you get back as the second half will be starting right away the olympics i know you've been watching very, yep. very closely another question that i think is a good one so i ask as many people as i possibly can in 2020 who has who do you have more expectations for andre de or penny oleksiak Ooh, because they're both going to clearly yeah. going to be front and center in 2020 for canadian athletics so is it penny or is it andre um, Penny's only 16, mm-hmm. so at that time she'll be 20. And that's what I think DeGrasse is. He's 21, I think. So right now. Right now. So I'm going to put more on DeGrasse. Yeah. I think if we're looking at Usain Bolt retiring after next year, Justin Gatlin's 34. And also this is cheating, his, too. Right. <laughs> this is his time. Like, he's the heir apparent. Yeah. He's the guy that's now supposed to take the next step and be the guy that everybody wants to beat. And I would expect him to... Go, and not the 200 necessarily, the 100, yeah. I think gold. And Penny, if she walks away with a few medals, I don't care the color necessarily. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Whereas the grass will be, if you get if he gets a silver, he gets a bronze, great. It's going to be a great story again like this year. But it wasn't against Bolt. It wasn't against Gatlin. So he should be the guy that wins that gold. I will throw a third one in there. Yes. But it's not individual. 
Team Canada men's basketball. Uh, a lot has to go right for that team. I was just talking with Corey about that. And a lot, like, if they get the right people to go out. I'm not saying goal. Yeah. But they should, you would think get to that the, semis? the team that's going to knock them out will be the U.S., whether that's in the semis or in the final. The team that knocks them out will be the U.S. You should be, if, if everything goes according to plan for Canada, you yeah. should qualify and you should get into the semifinals. Absolutely. Right? But you have to do it first. Clearly, they, they struggled this year, but you have to get... Think about what their starting five could be in four years. And Andrew they would Wake, have a yeah. bench of yeah. NBAers. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Athletics are looking up for Canada. Uh, this Olympics was a huge step forward. They beat their their total from yeah. London, most gold since 1992. Like I've enjoyed this, and part of the reason too is just the time zone. It's worked out wonderfully for us here in Canada and Western Canada, especially having prime time events on at 7:30 at night. Like that's perfect. Three hours difference. Yeah, it, it is perfect. I'd hate to be. Kind of watch out on the East Coast where stuff doesn't start till 10 or 11, but it's been pretty swell for us having us. They get all the good stuff anyways. Yeah, that, that is very true. to us. Matt, I'll let you get back. I know the second half's about to get going. Uh, you're on as soon as that game wraps up, taking calls, texts, and emails. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Matthew Iwanek of the Montoya Homes Green and Gold kickoff post-game show as well as the Dave Jameson show. 342 in Edmonton coming back. We'll wrap things up on a busy Saturday afternoon in sports. This is All Sports Weekend on TSN 1260, Edmonton Sports Leader. You're listening to All Sports Weekend with Mark Majot on Edmonton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. Three forty-seven. Welcome back to the final segment of All Sports Weekend on this overcast Saturday afternoon, August. 20th at the half. The Eskimos lead the Argonauts 33 to 28 coming into action today. The Eskimos were averaging 28 points a game. If you took the over, you are already correct. And it's at halftime. Mike Riley, 16 for 20 for 280 yards and three touchdowns so far. Two interceptions, which is uncharacteristic for Riley so far this season, but more touchdowns than interceptions in the team leads. So the Eskimos have to be happy with how the first half went. Uh, John White is banged up. He has a hand injury. But before White went out, he was seven carries for 55 yards on the ground and then four catches for 34 yards through the air. One of the first times you've actually seen John White utilized so far this game. But as Matt Awanek just said in the last segment, it opened up room for Bowman, uh, Corey Watson, as well as Darrell Walker as the three touchdowns for the Eskimos were caught by Nate Kuhorn, 30-yard catch. Uh, Darius Bowman, three catches for 86 yards and a touchdown. And Darrell Walker, two catches for 26 yards and a touchdown. Sean White is two for two on field goals. As soon as this game wraps up, Matthew Wanick and Hernan Salas will be back with the Montorio Homes Green and Gold post-game show after this game. Next up for the Eskimos, they welcome Chris Jones in the one and six, likely going to be one and seven, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. With what's going on with the Riders? And, you know, we all know what happened. Chris Jones left. This is going to be a great atmosphere next Friday at Commonwealth Stadium. Hernan, if you're not working, are you going to try to get down there on Friday night? <laughs> or are you working already? Is it still summer? No, no, but I have plans at oh. night, so I won't be able to uh, go to the stadium. What is more important than Eskimo fans booing Chris Jones and yeah, the Riders? But they've been here once already. Yeah, so it was preseason. Come on. Yeah. This no. is it. Come on. This is the final countdown. Well, no, their first game of the season. 
The first win of the season was against Saskatchewan. Ah, you're right. Very true. Yeah, yeah this already happened. But now when they won in overtime, yeah, when, yeah. it's been, <laughs> seems like so long ago. I know. It seems like years ago that that game happened. I forgot about that. Well, that's why you're here and you're making me look. You make me look so much better than I really am. Eskimos lead at halftime. Mentioned the Blue Jays. They take on the Cleveland Indians site. Aaron Sanchez gets the start. He is 12 and two and has an ERA of 2.84. Entering action tonight, the Blue Jays lead the AL East by a half game over the Red Sox and a game and a half over the Orioles. The Orioles continue a series with the Astros they lost last night and the Red Sox continue their series with the Tigers so the Blue Jays fans keeping a very close eye on that first pitch from Cleveland goes just after five o'clock at the Olympics Canada won a bronze medal today Catherine Pedrel wins bronze in the cross-country mountain bike her teammate actually finished fourth so Canada bumps their medal total up to 22 which ties 22 medals that they got in 96 in Atlanta it's the most gold Canada's won since 1992 and they still have a couple chances to add to that. Brooke Henderson, in case you're wondering, finished seventh in the golf tournament. And still to come tonight at 5.30, it's the women's high jump final. Alexandra Treasure looking to medal for Canada. Melissa Bishop in the women's 800 meter. That gets going at 6.15. Mohamed Ahmed goes for a medal for Canada in the men's 5,000 meter. That goes at 6.30. And the Canadian women look to medal tonight in the women's 4x400-meter relay. Tomorrow, still a couple opportunities for Canada to land on the podium. Two athletes in the marathon, as well as a few in more mountain biking events. Team USA in men's basketball goes for three straight goals as they take on Serbia at 12.45 tomorrow. I believe this Olympics has been a success for Canada. They beat their medal total in London. They have more household names coming out of the Olympics in 2012. Maybe weren't too many household names, but that has definitely changed. Andre DeGrasse, Penny Oleksiak. Now everyone knows those two names, and there'll be more names added to that list as well. Did I see that correct, Hernandez? Did the Eskimos just get an interception off Mr. Logan Kilgore? Yeah, uh, Pat Watkins for a second of the uh, game. Yeah, Pat Watkins has been all over. I think one even hit him in the back, too, yeah, earlier this yeah. game. So the Eskimo defense starting to have their way with Logan Kilgore. They lead 33-14, to 14, and now Mike Riley leads that team on the offense still very early in the third quarter. Excellent fuel position for the Eskimos as well. They'll likely be wrapping up this drive uh, before we are off the air. Um couple other things I do want to get to NFL preseason action right now in the third quarter the Panthers lead the Titans 19 to 10 and the Buffalo Bills lead 21 zip over the Giants at halftime still to come tonight the Colts take on the Ravens the Jags battle the Buccaneers the Saints are in Houston and Hernandez San Francisco 49ers take on Mark Sanchez and the Denver Broncos one other game time actually the LA Rams are home to the Kansas City Chiefs quickly as we have just two minutes left in the show we're getting Actually, not a lot of text, but enough that we're going to talk about it. Two big nights for dorks. Tonight, we have WWE NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Hernan, I don't think you're even aware of what NXT is, so I'm going to get your predictions on a couple of these matches. Uh, the main event tonight at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, Samoa Joe versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the NXT Championship. Joe is the champ heading in. Okay. Shinsuke, is the, he's been around wrestling circles for years, but is a newcomer to NXT. Does Joe give up the belt to Shinsuke tonight, or does Samoa Joe retain? No, Samoa Joe retains, retains the belt. You may remember Samoa Joe wrestled at halftime of an Eskimo game about 10 years ago. <laughs> I that, didn't know that. I remember that. And then tomorrow night, SummerSlam, which is WrestleMania for Smarks. Uh, the main event, or not main event, but one of the interesting matches we see, if Brock Lesnar can beat the snot out of Mark Hunt in a real fight, mm -hmm. what do you think Brock Lesnar is going to do to Randy Orton in a predetermined oh, fight? Oh, yeah. You think Brock's going to yeah. return? On the, there's rumblings. You remember Bill Goldberg? Yes. There's rumblings Goldberg may have an appearance this weekend. Ooh. 
spear someone. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe setting up those two. So you're going to go with Brock in that one? Yes. For the WWE Universal Championship, Finn Balor or Seth Rollins? It's a new belt they're unveiling tomorrow night. I'm going to go with Seth Rollins. Seth? Yes. You're going to go with Seth? And then the singles match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Dean Ambrose or Dolph Ziggler? Dean is the champ heading in. Uh, I like Dean Ambrose. Going to go with Dean yeah, to retain. Yeah. So you don't see a lot of flip-flopping going on this week, no. and I like How it. How about yourself? Uh, you're the expert yeah, here. Yeah, so. I kind of agree with what's going to happen. With yeah, You're pretty much accurate with your predictions. It's wrestling. They know who's going to win usually heading into it. Should be a good weekend for, uh, for fight fans of real fights and fake fights as well. UFC 202. Hey, I'd like to see Conor McGregor win, but I think Diaz takes it. Are you agreeing with me? Or do you think Conor McGregor actually takes it? I hope Diaz wins, yeah. but that's uh, a hard one to call. I, I I'll give the edge to uh, McGregor. Oh, wow. We'll see. Well, we'll see for right next week. We'll have a full-blown NFL preview next week on All Sports Week on behalf of Hernan Salas. Did a wonderful job booking me and keeping me on track. And thanks, Matthew Wanick, for hanging in. Stay tuned. Awanik and Hernan will be back as soon as the Eskimo game wraps up. Canada looking to get more than 22 medals, as that's what they did in Atlanta. That's They're currently tied. Still a couple chances. Go Canada, go. Thanks for listening to me, not only today, but all week long on The Gregor Show. I am back Monday at 2 o'clock with The Jason Gregor Show. I'm in one more week with Hernan Salas as well. So we'll chat with you guys on Monday. Thank you for listening, everyone. Awanik is up as soon as the Eskimo game ends. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll chat with you soon.